0: It's very young, I've been fascinated with uh, construction projects, uh, powerful machinery moving the earth, cranes lifting heavy beams into place, uh, the, the various skill sets to finishing out the project, carpenters, welders, plumbers, electricians, painters, decorators, and, and so on. Uh, what did I want to be eventually? the man behind it all, the man designing and directing, I wanted to build. The book of Acts details a different sort of construction project. Indeed, it's a kingdom that aims to cover the earth and will last forever. And the risen Christ is the man with the plan, And even more, he is Lord of all. He designed and he is now directing with absolute authority. He will build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Nothing will stand in his way. No resources will run dry. He will build and build and build until the church stands in glory with God. Well, throughout Acts, the risen Christ builds and builds and builds His church, the church in Jerusalem, was growing. The church in Judea and Samaria was growing. And now we're seeing the church extend its reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus appointed Paul to plant new churches throughout Syria and Cilicia. And time has passed. A few issues have surfaced related to Gentiles keeping the law. And Jesus' apostles work out the solution... And now, it's it's only right that Paul return to those other churches and strengthen these churches with the apostles' instructions. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts 16. And in doing so, we see the Lord Jesus building his churches further. He builds them up with qualified men who become servants to all and who impart the apostles' instructions. Let's read uh, verses 1 to 5 and then tease this out a bit more. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily." The churches were strengthened in the faith... ...and they increased in numbers daily. If you look back, chapter 2, verse 47... ...you will find these words... ...the Lord added to their number day by day... ...those who were being saved. The Lord added. And so any statement after chapter 2... ...where you see the church increasing and the Word of God advancing, and the church growing, or the church being strengthened, we should understand that it is the Lord Jesus' work. The risen Lord Jesus is building His church, strengthening His people, and the church grows because Jesus is sovereign over the hearts of men. But Acts is also very clear that the Lord uses means to build His church. What means do we find here in our passage? And I, I've summarized it like this. He uses qualified men who become servants to all and who impart the apostles' instructions. I wouldn't say everything is normative in Acts. Some is only descriptive. But certain patterns play out in the rest of the New Testament and when that happens, we're likely observing something more Normative, that is, it sets the stage for how Christ continues to build his church to this day. How does the pattern here affect our mission as a church in Fort Worth? Well, let's find out. First, Jesus Jesus builds his church with qualified men who put Christ's interests above their own. Qualified men who put Christ's interests above their own. Paul has returned to the churches he planted. They were in Derby, in Lystra. Verse 1 tells us, and it says, "A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek." So we see here that Timothy was born into a multi-ethnic family. Timothy was half Jew and half Greek, what some would call biracial. Culturally speaking, mixed marriages were generally frowned upon within the Judaism of of, of his day. And that was especially true when such marriages withheld the children from cherished Jewish customs. In this case, Timothy's Greek father never had him circumcised. So we'll get to that in a minute. But Timothy's birth into this multi-ethnic family actually fits perfectly into the gospel storyline that that Luke himself has been developing. The gospel is for all peoples. Uh, The kingdom of God isn't limited to those of Jewish descent, but for people of all ethnicities who place their faith in Christ. Religiously speaking, Timothy's dad was a pagan. Notice the contrast in verse 1 the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Notice it doesn't say, but his father was a Greek and also a believer. It only ascribes the believer part to his mom. So only Timothy's mother is a believer. In terms of discipleship, when he's young, Timothy was fatherless. But in his kindness, the Lord did give Timothy a mother who loved the Lord. Her name was Eunice. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 speaks about her as a woman of sincere faith. Second Timothy chapter 3 implies that she taught Timothy the scriptures throughout his childhood. Timothy is now a disciple of Jesus. His devotion to Christ it was even recognized among the churches in, in, in the area, verse, verse 2 tells us. But before we get there, let me just insert a little parenthesis here. Some of you were born into family situations that posed their unique difficulties. A parent, maybe even both parents, were not believers. Uh, Perhaps the culture around you frowned on your family situation, uh, judged you and put you down. That doesn't mean you're without hope or without a place in the kingdom of God. Okay, the kingdom isn't a matter of the good stock, so to speak, you came from, but it's a matter of the Savior who makes you his own. Also, some of you are in marriage situations right now where your spouse either isn't pursuing the Lord or isn't a believer at all. I want you to take note of how the Lord used the faithfulness of Timothy's mother despite Timothy's dad. The Lord used her instruction throughout his childhood to save him and to mature him into Christ. So don't lose heart, sisters. The Lord knows your faithfulness and he can use your faithfulness to raise up another Timothy or another Phoebe. Timothy's maturity in Christ was noticeable. Look at verse 2. It says that Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. The same language appeared in Acts uh, chapter 6 verse 3 of the seven men that they chose uh, to serve the widows. It says that they were to to choose men of good repute who were full of the Holy Spirit and and wisdom. So Timothy is, is one of these types of men. He's got a good reputation with the churches. They've noticed his faithfulness and the idea is that they are bearing witness to it. So in that sense, the Lord's grace has qualified Timothy to join Paul on his missionary journeys. Paul recognizes the same maturity in Timothy throughout his letters. I'll just listen to a few of these. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. This is why I'm sending you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child, to remind you of my ways in Christ. 1 Corinthians 16 when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. Philippians chapter 2. I have no one like Timothy. That, that is, who was, who, no one like Timothy who was there with Paul at the time he's writing. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That's where I got... The, the words there on the screen. Qualified men who pursue Christ's interests above their own. They all seek their own interests. Not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. A man... Listen to this, brothers. A man evidences his worth by whether he lives for his own interests... Or for those of Christ Jesus. Timothy's not perfect. But he's exemplary. He's a man of proven worth. And so Paul wants him. Paul wants to to station Timothy in these churches. And he wants to say, I want you to imitate this man's faith. I want you to imitate this man's devotion. I want you to learn my ways in Christ by following this man. Look at his suffering for the gospel. Look at his teaching. Look at his purity in Christ. Look at his holiness. Look at, the, look at his love for the church. And I want you to imitate this man. God uses qualified men to display that Christ is truly worthy of all of our devotion. And that's why it's so crucial to appoint qualified men to lead the church and to plant new churches. We don't want churches imitating leaders who don't put Christ's interests above their own. If you appoint those kind of leaders, the church will cease to be the church... And will fall into all kinds of idolatry and false teaching. And not only that, their reputation will bring reproach on the gospel. And it's, it's no coincidence that we are learning these things right here from the book of Acts. As another headline hits the press this week of a big name pastor making some immoral choices. And bringing reproach on the gospel. This is why Paul outlines character qualifications for elders and deacons. That's why James warns that not many of you should become teachers. That's why the church prays throughout the book of Acts over who they're going to send out and who they're not. That's why Paul warns that we shouldn't be hasty in the laying on of hands. Passion isn't enough, popularity isn't enough, relevancy isn't enough. Vision isn't enough. Knowledge isn't even enough. The question is, will the man's life show that Christ is worthy of all our devotion? Redeemer, you need to hold us accountable to this. And if we stop living this way as elders, we need to step down. You need to fire us. We want to live this way that we see here while we have breath. And when our days are up, you appoint other men who are qualified, who will exemplify that Christ is truly worthy. And then imitate their faith. Timothy's reputation is around the churches. the brothers at Lystra and Iconium know him. These men will also become servants to all. Servants to all. We head there next. Christ builds his church with qualified men who become servants to all. When you put Christ's interests above your own, you become a servant to all. Look at verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Whoa! Whoa! How far are you willing to go, brothers? Hmm? How far are you willing to go to spread the gospel? Paul and I might have some words. I'd be like, bro, this didn't happen with Titus. Right? You got a feel for Timothy. Circumcision? Are you kidding me? That's a whole different ball game when you're an adult. Just think of the men of Shechem in Genesis 34. They're laying around sore after three days. Ugh. Okay, what's going on here? It's actually a very strategic move. Um, But one might be a little confused... ...that this comes right next to Acts chapter 15... Right? Remember uh, Acts 15 said Gentiles didn't need to be circumcised. Circumcision no longer marked the covenant people, but faith in Christ. The presence of the Holy Spirit. So what's with this, Paul? Uh, one could also bring up Galatians. Right? In Galatians, you, you know, you've got the circumcision party. And they're saying circumcision is necessary to gain a right standing with God. Circumcision is their boast. Circumcision is their badge of acceptance with God. And Paul gets fuming mad because justification doesn't come by works like circumcision, but by faith in Christ. And he's so committed to that true gospel that not for one moment does he yield to the circumcision party with Titus. Remember, Titus was a Greek. And they wanted him circumcised. But Paul doesn't yield whatsoever. He doesn't have Titus circumcised, it says, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Yes, yes. uh, God instituted circumcision. In Genesis chapter 17, Paul recognizes that. He he spells this out in Romans Romans chapter 4. But, you need to notice... God made a promise to Abraham. He he put circumcision in place after he gave the promise to Abraham. Meaning, circumcision was just going to be a temporary marker of the covenant people until Abraham's true offspring came, Jesus Christ. Christ fulfills what circumcision pointed to. I was reading uh, Colossians 2 in my quiet time this week. Uh, It says, In Him, in Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. What does that mean? By putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So all that matters now is whether you're found in Christ, whether God circumcised your heart, gave you a a new moral disposition to his word. You love it. You love God. He he, he gave that to you in Christ. That's all that matters. Galatians 6.15 says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Well, if that's Paul's theology, why circumcise Timothy? What makes his situation different than Titus's? Well, Titus was fully Greek. And Paul opposes any imposition of circumcision on Gentiles. But Timothy is half Jewish. Opposing circumcision for Gentiles... ...is not the same as opposing circumcision altogether. Make sense? So Paul's not creating a new law... ...nor did the apostles in Acts 15... ...a new law for the Jews now. Everybody must be uncircumcised. Right? He doesn't go there. So opposing circumcision for Gentiles... ...is not the same as opposing circumcision altogether... Like Titus, Timothy doesn't have to be circumcised. Remember, it's a matter of indifference. But, being that he's Jew, a Jew in the minds of those he'd be ministering to, Timothy chooses circumcision as a way to identify with his Jewish heritage. And the point is this. As Paul ministers to the Jews, he doesn't want Timothy's uncircumcision to become an unnecessary barrier to Christ. He doesn't want Timothy's uncircumcision to be the offense, but Christ's cross to be the offense. And that's what Luke is highlighting in verse 3. Because of the Jews who were in those places, they all knew about Timothy. It's where he grew up, they knew his father was a Greek and his mother was a Jew. Paul and Timothy, they make this move to help spread the gospel without subverting the gospel. Again, it would be different if Timothy was fully Greek, like Titus. So they want to help spread the gospel without subverting the gospel. Or let's use Paul's own words in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. That's where I get the words that are on the screen there. Uh, servants to all... 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Because this, this missionary strategy in 1 Corinthians 9 that he lays out is what's happening right here in Acts 16. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. And that's what we're seeing here. With Paul and Timothy in Acts 16. Sixteen, 3. They're making themselves servants to all that they might win them to Christ. How? How do they do this? Well, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might... Win those under the law. Verse 22. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. How do Paul and Timothy become servants to all? In Acts 16. They choose the path that's going to best spread the gospel without subverting the gospel and listen. That doesn't mean life got easier for them. How many times do we hear people translate this text, uh, becoming all things to all men, and and all of a sudden their their life looks a whole lot like the world's life in the end. Um, they, but when you see the apostles actually becoming all things to all men, it actually makes the offense of the cross even greater, and they suffer. For it, Life gets harder for them. It was easy for them to remove all unnecessary barriers... ...if that meant Christ would become front and center. So the pattern of life we see in Paul and Timothy... ...is the pattern we must imitate as well. And not too much further in 1 Corinthians 11... Chapter 1, Paul says to the whole church, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we too must become servants to all that we might win more. Beloved, we must be willing to make adjustments to our lifestyles and our preferences in order to win more people to Christ. We too must become all things to all men that by all means we might save some. The Lord builds His church through leaders who become servants to all and members who follow them doing likewise. Uh, What are some examples of this? Well, uh, you might have the right under the New Covenant to eat pork, bacon on your hamburger, and bacon on your salad, and bacon on your ice cream... And whatever else, you've tried it. Don't don't fool yourself. Right? The bite of bacon cheeseburger and you drink your milkshake. It's the way it works. We like pork. Jesus declared all foods clean. Hurrah. But Let's say you meet a guy from Egypt who's a Muslim. That was my my Uber driver last week. He's from Egypt. He's a Muslim. And you have him over for dinner. Don't serve pork. Right? Don't serve pork and then get all bent out of shape when he doesn't stay around very long. Or eat your food. No, you give up the pork. Or, you say, you, know, say you, you meet an unbeliever who's a vegetarian. Don't serve meat at all. Right? Don't make food or drink a stumbling block to the gospel. Give it up to get others the gospel. The only in- offense that we need to be insistent on is Christ and Him crucified. Right? Or, or let's say you're, you know, you're ministering to a young believer. He's saved out of alcoholism. And, you know, he used to get slammed every night at the local pub. And now he's following Christ, and, and he wants to meet you for lunch. And he wants to ask some questions about the faith. And so you agree, and, and you happen to really love the hamburgers that are at this one pub around the corner. And, and he says, you know, no, I, I prefer not to eat there. With all the associations of my past, it, it's just too hard for me to go in, go in there. You know, you don't insist, oh, come on, it'll be fine. No, you become his servant. Great, let's go to the subway on the other side. Or, you know, some of you aspire to pastor a church one day. Let's just pretend there's a church and most of the members are are older. Some of them wear suits on Sunday morning and they'd at least like the preacher to wear a tie... Uh, Maybe they even prefer the KJV, right? And they ask you to come preach for them one Sunday morning. You don't show up wearing jeans, sandals, with your ESV in hand, and a ball cap. With this attitude of, God doesn't judge me by what I wear. True. He won't judge you by what you wear, but he will judge you for that kind of attitude. For that kind of unwillingness to serve them and flex where you need to flex. Or take another context like South Las Vegas Trail, right? Before heading down South LVT, like we've got it all together, some, what did Kanan call it last week in our meeting? Some hood IQ might do us some good. We would want to learn various ways that our upbringing would create unnecessary offenses. And then we want to do what we can to build bridges more freely to Christ. You get the point. Timothy was free. Circumcision was now a matter of indifference. But with Paul, he chooses circumcision for the sake of the Jews in that area. Being half Jewish himself, he doesn't even want it to be, don't even come up as a potential distraction to the substance of the gospel. Moreover, this is part of Luke's larger apologetic when he's given the testimony about Paul. Uh, This this move right here and putting it here in Acts shows that Paul's gospel was not anti-Jewish. Right, It was actually the culmination of what it meant to be Jewish throughout the Old Testament. To be a true Jew was to be one inwardly, one who was circumcised in heart. So let's build up the churches in this area by, by imitating these men and becoming servants to all. You know why? Because Christ became a servant to all in order to win us to God. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. We were rebels. The wrath of God stood against us. If left to ourselves, we were going to perish. But God the Father sent His only Son to ransom us. Christ served us when He had every right to leave us as we were. And then He paid our punishment by becoming a servant even unto death on a cross. And He delivered us from the wrath to come. You must believe this good news in order to be saved. In order to be ransomed. And because of this good news, because of Christ's initiative to save us, we need to walk accordingly as we seek to save others. One more thing to point out here. The Lord builds His church through men who impart the apostles' instructions. He builds His church through men who impart the apostles' instructions. Look at verse 4. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. Since the beginning of Acts, Jesus makes the apostles' witness and the apostles' instructions the foundation of the church. And why would it be otherwise, right? If you look back at Acts chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it shows Jesus in His resurrection body, commanding the apostles through the Holy Spirit. And He also then appears to them for 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. He taught the apostles, in other words, and then then he authorized the apostles to build his church with their witness and their instructions. Okay? The Holy Spirit comes then in Acts chapter 2. And that's exactly what we find the apostles doing. And then, all of a sudden, we start getting these little notes here and there throughout The book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. The church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Acts chapter 4 verse 33. With great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 5. Every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. is the The apostles again here. And then now here, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles. The apostles' instructions form the foundation of the church and it remains the material by which the church is built up. This is why we teach the Bible, the whole of Scripture, is because it is in these words that the church is built up. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. We are the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. What were the instructions of the apostles here? Well, specifically, it refers back to the letter that they sent in chapter 15. And the gist was this. Look, Gentiles, you don't have To become Jews in order to be saved. okay. The law of Moses does not regulate their covenant relationship with God. Yet, they must renounce their old pagan ways. The new covenant in Christ still forbids any association with idolatry or sexual immorality. So they delivered these instructions. And I want you to notice in verse 4. They delivered them... For observance. For observance. You know, far too often the church receives the apostles' instructions without really observing them. We hear them preach from Sunday to Sunday. Um, we talk about them in care group. We, we might even listen to them during the week through a podcast. We, we sit through a Bible study or D group or BSF studying to know the apostles' instructions with utmost clarity. I think the question at the end of the day is whether whether we're observing them, whether we're keeping them, whether we're doing them. James tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. If we only listen to the apostles' instructions, if all that's happening from, from week to week is kind of information transfer without any delight in them and without any movement of the will to act upon them, we are self-deceived, brothers and sisters. You know, we're like a man driving around a mountainside at 70 miles an hour with his friends and, and the sign up ahead says, CAUTION, SHARP TURN. And the man says to everyone else in the car, hey, the sign says, caution, sharp turn. And everybody goes, yeah, it says, caution, sharp turn. And nothing happens with the throttle. Nobody does anything about the throttle until they've wrecked their lives. And at times, I think a number of us receive the apostles' instructions that way. We work through, you know, we work through idolatry and sexual immorality in some very specific ways. A few Sundays back, how's that going for you? What's actually changed in your life since then? A few of you, just a few. Most of you aren't here, but a few of you you know, aren't in a good place at all when it comes to your attitude about Scripture. I sometimes hear Christians say things like, yeah, I don't read the Word much. Or, yeah, I just struggle to find time for it, really. And I just want to ask, brother or sister, how do you even live? Are you living, really, Give me life according to your word is what the psalmist says. Man wasn't live. Man wasn't made to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. One of the first signs of the new birth Peter says is longing for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if that longing isn't there, friend, what master actually has your heart? The church we see throughout the book of Acts is devoting itself to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching is delivered and they observe it and it says, and they were all strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Spurgeon once said of John Bunyan, Prick him anywhere. His his blood is biblene. The very essence of the Bible flows from this man. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the Word of God. What is your soul full of? Right? The latest Facebook controversy? ESPN's top ten? What's going on with President Trump? Bitterness. The next YouTube recording gone viral. And sometimes churches wonder why they're not being strengthened in the faith and they're increasing in numbers daily because we're not giving any devotion, any observance to the apostles' teaching. The trouble isn't that we're we're not devoted people, but we're just devoted so often to the wrong things. The church is strengthened only when the church is feeding on God's word. God entrusted his words to the apostles to give to us. We need to look to their instructions daily because in them you're going to find Christ. That's who they bear witness to. They teach Christ in all His pre-existent glory. They teach Christ as He's been promised throughout the Old Testament. They teach Christ in His humility and His becoming a servant in His incarnation. They teach Christ in His perfect life of obedience... They teach Christ in His crucifixion, His substitutionary death on behalf of sinners like you and me. They teach Christ in His resurrection. They teach Christ in His present reign in glory. And they teach Christ who's coming to judge. And they teach Christ who will be enjoyed in all the fullness of His glory by a countless host of people whom He has redeemed forever. And they take you to Christ, they run you there, and they show you what impact this has on your life and what that means for your identity now and what He means for your values and your priorities and what He means for your sin and what He means for your relationships and what He means for your suffering and what He means for your pursuit of holiness and what He means for your hope. That's the Apostle's teaching. And it is where we find Life. True life. Because why? Because Christ is life. You have Him, you have life. You don't have Him, you don't know Him, because you're not in this book. You don't have life. He is life. Feast on the apostles' instructions and let them thrill you with Christ... And move you to follow Christ. It's through them that we see our Savior revealed. And it's through them that we learn our Father's care and know His ways. And it's through them that we as a church will be strengthened in the faith. And Lord willing, increase in numbers. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And they increased in numbers daily. Beloved, do, beloved, do you long for a healthy, growing church? Keep appointing qualified men who pursue Christ's interests above their own. And then imitate their faith. Become servants to all in order to win more to Christ. Observe the apostles' teaching that's set before you weekly. And then pray the Lord continues to strengthen and build up this church and other churches in this city. Let me pray together.